0: We're on a mission from God. Wendy. So I got that going. Darling. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life.
1: We enjoy your films. I am a human. I thought they
0: smelled bad. On the outside.
1: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse
2: Bayless. And I'm Richard Wolff.
1: And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Smokey and the Bandit, I.I., or Part 2, or whatever you want to call it, on August 15, 1980. It was written by Jerry Belson and Brock Yates, based on a story by Michael Kane. <laughs> Making this our fifth Michael Caine movie for the 1980s. Wait,
2: are you just combining both Michael Caines into one?
1: I've combined three Michael Caines <laughs> 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 into one Michael movies. Caine monster. <laughs> Oddly uh,
0: enough, there's only one with the actual spelling of Michael Caine. The other two spell it with a K. With the Citizen Kane, the Caine.
1: Yes, uh, based on characters by Hal Needham and Robert L Levy, directed by Hal Needham, and released by Universal Pictures.
0: We even get a modified universal logo again.
1: Yeah, we do. I feel like we've we've been coming across those lately. Very quickly after Xanadu. Making of. In 1977, The First Smokey and the Bandit was released and was a surprise hit for the year with a budget of 4 million dollars. It went on to bank 300 million in the worldwide box office, finishing second behind only Star Wars for the year. That's crazy.
2: That's the first one. Yeah. Okay.
1: I watched it pretty recently. It's not that great. Yeah it's crazy that it made that much money
2: also how do you spend i didn't watch it so i don't know but how do you spend four million dollars on these movies
1: wreck a lot of cars i think that's all it took and burt reynolds was huge at the time both films took until 1980 to drop their sequels and bandits opening weekend literally doubled empire strikes back's opening weekend in 1980 really which was actually a record opening weekend at the time for Smokey and the bandit part two they made 11 million dollars in its opening weekend but it was short-lived because the contrast in critical response and audience approval quickly turned things in star wars's favor so empire strikes back obviously made way more money globally uh, the final budget of Smokey 2 came to about 17 million and in total it grossed 66 million which still landed it in eighth place for the year hmm. coors the beer that had played such a large part in the first film was replaced by sponsor budweiser for the second installment the working title for the sequel was Smokey and the Bandit 10 and was due at one point to co-star Julie Kavner, the voice of Marge Simpson. Yeah. Contemporary articles about the production describe a scene with Robert Urich on roller skates on a farm that evidently didn't make the final cut and Urich receives no credit. The original budget for this film was $10 million. But delays on his previous film, Rough Cut, which I think we said had four or five directors by the time it finished, forced them to push back the schedule and inflated the budget. To prevent pushing back the production schedule for 1981's planned release of Cannonball Run, the movies were filmed simultaneously.
0: Well, that explains Dom
1: DeLuise. Exactly, and The Ambulance. As a result of combining the productions, Smokey was actually able to wrap ahead of schedule. Sally Field's relationship with co-star Reynolds lasted exactly the span between the first and second Smokey films during which time she also co-starred as his girlfriend in Hooper and The End. She considers this her worst film. On the press junket, Reynolds seemed optimistic about returning for a third installment, but the rest of the cast, besides Jackie Gleason, made it very clear they were finished with the franchise. A harsh critical reception changed Burt Reynolds' answer, but Universal had a conundrum. They had a movie in the top ten for the year, and almost no way to market it without Reynolds. The solution, they thought, was simple— Take the only cast member willing to come back and make him play both parts. And Smokey is the Bandit was born, or at least conceived and gestated. Months from release, Universal was very happy with the cut and they put on a test screening, which could not have gone worse. Disappointment over the lack of Reynolds and confusion from Gleason playing multiple parts made the story near impossible to follow. To make it even weirder, Gleason was sporting the Bandit's costume and mustache for the entire film, but it's played totally straight as though the bandit were still played by Burt Reynolds. And even weirder, (laughs) Gleason's bandit does not speak a word in the entire film, except for a short line at the very end. Reshoots were very hastily planned and all of Gleason's bandit scenes were reshot with Jerry Reed and the film barely made its release date.
0: I want to see that cut. I don't. (laughs) I really want to see Jackie Gleason chasing himself for an hour and a half.
1: Apparently there is a cut does exist and it's owned by the Gleason estate and they, refuse to release it. <laughs> but maybe I can find it at Universal somehow. I'll look around. Just <laughs> here it is. wander around. Oh, here it is. Uh but there is a trailer for it with the title Uh Smokey is the Bandit.
2: But before I go, I got one piece of unfinished business. A hunk of trash known as the Bandit. Now you all know I pursued that sucker through twenty states, three thousand miles and two movies. I finally figured out a way to trap him. I have put myself in his place. Also his boots, and his shirt, and his hat, and his coat, and his mustache. In short, I have succeeded in becoming my own worst enemy, the Bandit. So if you think the first two go rounds were something, you just watched my smoke this time. Hey,
0: some bitch. This has been Buford T. Justice, asking you to support your local sheriff because nobody else will.
1: Smokey is The Bandit, part three. It's basically like a Patton thing. He walks up in front of a giant American flag and tells people the premise of the movie mm-hmm. that in order to catch the bandit, he had to think like the bandit and become the bandit. And then the title comes up.
0: Uh, I like that the only real mention of this that I know of is from Bill and Ted (laughs) (laughs) 2.
1: Yeah, they're playing charades in heaven.
0: Yeah. Smokey on the bandit tree. Smokey is the bandit.
1: Station and Einstein are playing charades, and Station was giving clues for Smokey as the bandit. And Einstein gets it, because that's how smart he is. He knows about a movie that didn't come out even after he was dead. Mm-hmm. We start with another custom Universal logo. The Trans Am is driving in a circle around the Earth, followed by what looks like a taxi cab, but it's probably supposed to be Smokey's Cruiser. It's just a weird color. The quick animated sequence is punctuated with Burt Reynolds' chuckle. <laughs> we start the film with Big Enos and Little Enos Burdette giving a speech on the back of a train as they run for co-governor. I don't. Which is one of them going to be governor?
0: Uh, I would assume Big Enus is going to be good. Are they
1: siblings or father and son? I think they're father and
0: son.
2: I thought they were siblings.
1: Oh, really? It'd be weird if they were siblings with the same first name. Maybe I don't know.
2: Is he? Is is, is Paul, Paul Williams, Williams is like forty in the right, movie? Right, but is he supposed to be playing a younger person?
1: I don't know. I don't know what's going on.
2: I didn't get the impression that he was supposed to be a kid. I
0: don't think he's supposed to be a kid, but I think the father is
1: supposed to be much older. It's kind of like junior end. And the sheriff.
2: And who who we have playing Big Enos? Pat McCormick. And how old is he?
1: Old enough to be Paul Williams' dad. Yeah, it's his son. They're in all three films, these characters. Um and here, uh, it looks like Big Enos is running for governor, and then suddenly the Big Lebowski is approaching with three planes full of manure. And they open the Bombay doors and drop cow shit all over a crowd of prospective voters? <laughs> Seems like yeah. a bad call. We cut immediately to a party at David Huddleston's property for voters or fundraising or whatever. And another row of planes are on approach. And for some reason, he does not suspect retaliation at all. Yeah. Right. But uh, everyone at the party is very quickly splashed with bright orange liquid unclear exactly what this is if it's like ddt's or yeah,
2: i thought it was like the fire retardant that you put wildfires out with. Yeah. but i don't care what it is it's probably cancerous
1: yeah both men big enos and david Huddleston's character are invited to the current governor's office presumably outgoing governor
0: yeah uh, i don't know if the word invited would be <laughs> they're they're called <laughs> they're, in as if being... sent to the principal's office. yeah exactly
1: <laughs> but uh he tells them that he's embarrassed by their antics and uh he doesn't want to endorse either one of them and then he sends them out to take a call from Silsby, and big enos stays behind to eavesdrop on the call he hears instructions to go to pier number no. three in miami pick up crate number one four 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 and deliver its contents to the republican national convention in dallas in nine days this film was made before the republican national convention for 1980 was moved to detroit so it takes place in an alternate reality although i guess that was clear already
2: you know, I think I missed this line about it going to the Republican convention. That's why it's an elephant. That is why it's an elephant. Yeah. Which the entire movie I was waiting for them to explain that. I'm like, this is really weird. we well, are they bad. taking this elephant?
0: And too bad we never come back to this plot line yeah. ever oh, again. That's <laughs> the end of it. <laughs> we never know who wins the gubernatorial race.
1: Yeah. I was really upset about that. Unless they're governors in the next movie. I guess we'll have to wait uh. until we get there. Enus plans to intercept the crate and deliver it to ensure the governor's endorsement. I, don't, I feel like that's a bad plan yeah, already
0: it, like you're you're
1: essentially hijacking it he already had someone that he was going to pay to do this and you're going to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it instead unless he's trying to frame the other guy well then frame the other guy and just kill the elephant just Uh-oh. pay Smokey oh, to no. drive it no, off no no because you have to be
0: a hero and get it back i guess also don't kill the elephant <laughs> I, I don't like that plan okay <laughs>
1: We cut to a race happening with big rig trucks at the Atlanta International Raceway for the opening credits. In the cab we see Jerry Reed, the Snowman is doing this driving with his hound dog sitting up on the <laughs> on the dashboard. The Snowman wins the race and he takes home a check for $40,000. After the race, he's approached by Big and Little enos with a challenge. Pick up this package and drive it to the RNC in 9 days for $100,000. When Snowman says he doesn't know where the bandit is, big anus doubles the reward and suddenly snowman is completely on board oh yeah I, I got some ideas where he might be to sweeten the deal he assures him that this is 100 percent legal which means that there's really no reason to bring in the bandit at all mm-hmm. because you can just drive the elephant to the place where just needs hire to go. a moving company yeah in his hotel room at the gator motel a fully drunk bandit is peeking through a pyramid of empty budweiser cans
2: we think this is an intentional reference
1: i think there's a lot of intentional references to the career of mr reynolds over the course of this film but this is maybe the first maybe not even the first but gator is for sure a reference to the the double feature of white lightning and gator which both came out in the 70s snowman tries to tell the bandit about the deal but he's literally falling down drunk so snowman slaps him to wake him up and bandit just slaps him right back big and little enos show up and to explain the two hundred thousand dollar offer to bandit they hold up two fingers and he just falls over drunk so they ask how much more he would need, and he holds up the same two fingers, seemingly implying that he needs 200000 more, and they agree to 400000 on the spot, and, and they, pay them half up front. Yeah, they have some of that money already.
2: Again, not illegal. I feel like you could have gotten a better deal somewhere else.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, and, and nine days, like, obviously the governor thought that he had enough time to ship it legally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess this quarantine plot line that'll come up is is the only thing that might have been holding him back but the governor didn't seem to know about
1: that yeah i think it actually would have worked better if you had him arguing with the warehouse about the quarantine yeah and then he it's like he's saving the day he sent someone in to steal it by cover of night Mm -hmm. without the governor's knowledge so that he can't get in trouble for it and it makes sense to pay a lot of money because it's illegal yeah but what's happening right so far is not illegal What I thought
0: was going to happen too, and I thought it would have made the scene funnier, is that when they said agreed to four hundred thousand, that bandit would just snap out of his. Oh, like he was faking it. No, no, but but that sobered him up. Okay. Like like it it would just be like, oh yeah, okay, four hundred thousand. Like, but then he would immediately pass out after they leave. But just for because otherwise he's just he's not even really present in the scene. Yeah. He's weekend being weekend at Bernie's like.
1: Yeah, propped up on the bed. Yeah uh the enos brothers leave in their limousine while snowman and bandit celebrate with the big pile of money not brothers not brothers the enuses (laughs) the (laughs) eni the eni the eni leave in their limousine while snowman and bandit celebrate with their money suddenly bandit is crying blowing his nose with it a la dumb and dumber he's sad about having broken up with frog sally field's character from the first film we cut to the Texarkana reformed united evangelical fundamental church of god the twelve apostles and assorted saints with buford t justice standing outside his son is about to be married for the second time in two films to the same woman sally field's character frog i declare i didn't realize this floozy was the same one as the last one says a woman outside who's complimenting the ceremony as justice speaks with the woman outside the church his heartbeat is elevated to the point that it activates his hemo and it tells him when he's too pissed off. She continues to speak glowingly of the bandit, which repeatedly triggers his anger fit bit. And the ceremony <laughs> begins. And at the head of the church, suddenly a phone rings in the chapel on a table right next to the altar.
0: Yeah, there's a, it's a pedestal right by, right near, I guess in case they get a call uh, from the governor
1: at yeah. <laughs> the it's last like, minute. You need thing. to uh, reprieve this person. <laughs> uh, but this phone call is for Carrie, a.k.a. Frog, a.k.a. Sally Field and her groom-to-be insists that she must take it. You have to take it. It's long distance. Turns out it's Cletus, a.k.a. Jerry Reed, a.k.a. Snowman, and he's calling to offer her $50,000 in exchange for helping the bandit to pull off another challenge. On her way out of the church, she promises to bring back enough money to buy a milking machine for her husband, and then he says, then maybe we could get a cow.
2: How does Cletus know where to find her in this very moment?
1: He's just that good. That's how i
0: imagine that
1: cletus was invited to the wedding
2: oh maybe
0: (laughs) that's possible
2: and do they put the phone number for the church in that invitation
1: (laughs) (laughs) she probably asked for that phone to be there in case a challenge came up at the church doors she is blocked by her future father-in-law who levels a gun at her but she just walks past him and takes the the car they would they would have left in together and drags a bunch of cans out of the parking lot the next morning cletus is combing through all of bandit's stuff trying to find cans of beer that he's hid for himself reflecting on the money they won at the end of the first film and where it went bandit suggests releasing an album of bandit sings cole porter may have been a mistake Mm -hmm. despite missing her dearly he seems pretty upset that frog is somehow joining them for this mission snowman catches him taking a bottle down from a ceiling lamp and he says oh somebody must have left this while he's putting it back slowly reuniting bandit tells carrie that it must have been seven months since they last saw each other and she says i don't know i think it's more like eight months and four days six and a half hours but i'm not really sure and he says after we broke up where did you go and she says to pieces they pick on each other for a while and fight here about their dumb clothes but end the conversation by pretending this is strictly business
2: they never feel particularly affectionate to each other throughout the entire film that's true it's not a very convincing relationship
1: yeah
0: yeah and in fact the most convincing moments are usually in a montage where they're both laughing probably that are just outtakes yeah that they're just living oh this looks like they're having fun
2: well either way they were in a relationship in this movie and in real life right and it wasn't very convincing no it's not very convincing probably in either because like you said it lasted until 80 so maybe this was on the
1: oh for sure it, it was, was on
2: the outskirts of that
1: there's there's other stuff oh more that, to come that happens okay. yeah after she walks away burt reynolds turns to the camera and tells us for the only fourth wall breaking moment she still loves me we cut to a workout montage at a gym because it's very important to be fit if you're going to drive a car mm-hmm. fast. Uh, but it's all nonsense equipment anyway, like spinning things that you sit on or bands that wrap around your waist and wiggle. I like mean, those were things, things that
2: they used to use. Yeah. Like in the 50s. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think they they were sold to people. I don't think yeah. they actually did much. Yeah. They make Bandit chase them on foot while they drive a golf cart. And then he practices driving a go-kart uh, with children. And then suddenly he's running alongside horses on a track and beating them handily. Snowman says,
2: Well, ma'am, if you ain't ready for the Kentucky Derby, son.
1: (laughs) Bandit admits that he sold his Trans Am for alcohol and doesn't even have a car for this mission. And they surprise him with a new car outside the motel.
0: Yeah. Sally Field says that she traded in the car uh, that she stole from the wedding. Yeah. But it's like, you guys got $200,000. A Trans Am in 1980 maybe cost. 12,000 to 20,000? Yeah, the but most? where did
1: she leave the car? That's all. <laughs> they just had to explain where the car went that she took from the. They do have a lot of cash on hand. On their way to Miami, Bandit drives past a police officer going the speed limit, and he mentions that the cop's probably furious that he wasn't speeding because he didn't get the chance to arrest him. Carrie suggests that maybe he's not super famous and the cop just didn't recognize him, but immediately refuting this theory, a car full of girls recognize him and start whistling from their car. Bandit says, It's hard being famous. Because the girls want his autograph and then to rip his clothes off. Carrie says she just wants the autograph because she's seen him out of his clothes and it's no big deal. Bandit takes time to get photographs with two teen girls at a truck stop.
2: Sorry, so before we get into this whole road trip, I don't really understand the premise of having him in the Trans Am in front of the truck.
1: In the first movie, they're driving Coors across state lines coors because of some legal reason was only available in certain states at the time
0: well and crossing alcohol into certain states was called bootlegging right there were still laws in the books
1: yeah and so coors was only allowed to be distributed in certain states and so whenever a truck would be transporting this kind of material to distract all the cops you would hire a guy with a fast enough car to stay ahead of the police to move with your truck so that he would blow through an area, and all the cops would chase him, and nobody would stop this truck to see what he was transporting.
0: Also, the, they were they had a short amount of time, so the truck was speeding. So bandit would, you know,
1: prevent the truck from getting speeding tickets. Yeah.
2: Okay. But what's the premise of him doing it in this movie?
1: In this movie, there's literally no reason for the ban
2: Because he's not speeding. He's going the same speed as mm-hmm. this truck, which is going like 55 miles an hour, which he just said. He's like, yeah, I bet that cop was mad I wasn't going faster. Exactly. Right? So he's not trying to lure the cops away.
1: Aside from the fact that technically it is illegal to move this elephant because it was not quarantined for the requisite three months. Uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Then that that would be a reason that you would need someone to distract the police but he's never doing that because he's driving the speed limit
2: but like do cops stop and check what's in trucks yes is that something they do
1: well i mean way stations that's kind of what they're for is to make sure the stuff that's supposed to be transported is what's being transported okay so that the weight of the truck isn't changing from place to place
2: yeah i guess i just like i feel like it has a hard like i have a hard time believing that anybody cares what's in this truck it doesn't make as much
1: sense in this movie
2: and what is he gonna do about it if a truck tried or a cop tried to stop the truck
1: yeah he can't do anything and and it was just that people had already grasped onto the notion that this is the thing that happens when you're transporting something illegally then you can have a bandit that helps you and Mm so we can make another movie where he does the same thing and people aren't going to question it because they vaguely understood what he was doing last time.
2: Well, you're wrong. I'm questioning it. <laughs> well, you didn't see
1: the first movie. If you okay. saw the first movie, you wouldn't question it at all. Yeah. And I'd be like, why not? <laughs> the team of three meet a security guard at the pier and try to pick up crate 1444, but he informs them that that crate is in quarantine and can't be released for three weeks. At this point, they don't know it's an elephant. So they're still like, why is a crate in quarantine? Well, I
0: don't think at this point anyone knows it's an elephant because that elephant except for the governor yeah that elephant just can't be kept in a crate
1: for three weeks <laughs> right that's true i don't know i don't know how long how long can you starve an elephant for somebody google that
2: i don't even think that the elephant should be kept in the back of a semi-truck for a few days let i don't alone think it should crate.
1: be a, yeah in this warehouse for a day the security guard jokes that they can take the crate if they want but they have to leave the contents behind and he's very entertained by his own joke Uh, They break in after hours, but, like, so far after hours that it's almost the next day for some reason. Like, it's already light outside. I don't know why they waited until, like, an hour before the place opened to break in. Uh, It turns out that crate 1444 is so big that they almost didn't even notice it because it looks more like a wall. Why'd they paint the number on the side of a building? Well, it's a crate acting like a building. When they bust the crate open, a charging elephant flies out, terrifying Carrie, and... Flipping Bandit up into the air onto its back with his trunk. At first, I thought he just did a backflip on yeah, the elephant, yeah. but I think the implication is that Charlotte threw him up there.
0: I have to say that a lot of these actors are in very close quarters with an elephant. Yeah. And that's got to be frightening.
1: Yeah, it's scary.
0: I mean, elephants are gentle, you know, especially if they're trained, but still. It's a
1: freaking elephant. They can always go crazy. If she
0: caught me off guard,
2: otherwise I would have rode it the full ten seconds. Oh, that was incredible.
1: They walk the elephant out onto the pier in broad daylight and get it to step up into the back of their truck. Charlotte, get in the truck. Based on my cursory research, this elephant is named Cora and is still alive and about 60 years old today.
2: Aw. Why are we calling it Charlotte again?
1: I don't know. That's what its name is in the movie.
0: Someone says something like, "Like, oh, she's like, she's is like stronger and stubborn as my aunt charlotte kind of reminds me of my aunt charlotte it smells like it too <laughs> <laughs> oh how rude now charlotte don't you listen to any of that
1: on our way out of the storage area they come across buford blocking the exit how was he there i don't know
0: how did he know to come here and show up like i don't understand i don't he, understand he how must he's have here. followed her down
2: but also why is, why is he here
1: because he wants to arrest the bandit because he didn't for get him in the last movie what? for all the stuff he's done in the past Can he doesn't he even do know that? that there's new stuff i mean he, he, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that i don't think is actually based on a factual Reality. representation <laughs> of the law um but yeah no i don't think uh i think the statute of limitations on the coors being run out of town three years ago is probably up but he says
0: Hi, Gilbert, hello you handsome something. bitch
1: just i like that uh buford's like actually complimenting him every time he like gets angry
0: if you make one move i'm gonna put a hole right between those gorgeous brown
1: eyes (laughs) (laughs) bandit dares him to show off his gun skills and uh justice wastes all of his bullets proving his marksmanship but anticipating bandit's move he asks for his son's gun so when bandit moves to escape Smokey gets the other gun and very quickly realizes it's not loaded Didn't you have your gun loaded, when I put bullets in it, Daddy, it gets too heavy. Bandit pulls up to where the Pittsburgh Steelers practice to have a conversation with Terry Bradshaw. Who knows him. Yeah, they're like good friends.
0: Because he knows Frog, too. Yeah. Like, they hang out. Yeah,
1: I liked that, that Terry leans over and says hi to Bandit, and Frog's like, Oh, hey there, Terry. And he's like, Oh, hey, Frog. Like, he knows her name. They're all good friends.
2: Was he in the first movie?
1: No. No. Okay. But he is also in Cannonball Run, because they shot it at the same time bandit intends to use the Steelers to slow down smoky and terry says no problem and points to mean joe green and says
0: hey joe yeah tackle like that car
1: <laughs> so joe green lifts the car with his bare hands and just flips it over on its top uh i had to look up what buford
0: said when they flip him and i still don't understand the line because i'm not a big football guy uh, he says something along the lines of, I knew this
2: would happen as soon as they started that bussing shit. I don't think that has to do with football.
0: Is it a racist thing? That's
2: kind of what I is think Is that what he is. said?
0: I I don't
1: remember him saying that. I,
0: I looked up the script and he says bussing. Hmm. I, I don't know. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm I'm glad that I don't know because I feel like that's a better, it's probably better that I don't know that it has a meaning, but I was very confused by the line when I heard it.
1: Yeah. For whatever reason, Snowman doesn't realize he's out of gas until it's almost too late and they find a last chance gas station, which we determined was actually a set built on uh, Burt Reynolds' personally owned Jupiter Ranch that you recognized, Richard.
0: Yeah. uh, I, I recognize it from a movie that wouldn't come out for several years later. And it was totally, not totally different, but a little bit more touched up. But from Flight of the Navigator the big Owl's gator city gas station yeah where uh Joey kramer pulls the ship over to get directions for florida
1: yeah um it's also in the movie dances with wolves no i just made that up why would they have a gas station <laughs> uh it's probably in other things though i just couldn't find any
2: but i do like that it's called gator city though because now in flight of the navigator we have another reason why it's connected I, to burt reynolds
1: i wouldn't be surprised if that's the sign that burt reynolds put above it yeah like he and refers they just to kept like, it that way for yeah, the movie. Mm-hmm. exactly exactly bandit has to whistle to wake up the gas station attendant sleeping on a rocking chair on the porch this feels like another intentional reference to deliverance uh, on imdb there was a point of trivia that this actor had something to do with the dueling banjos track or the scene and deliverance but i couldn't find any connection so i'm not sure that that's true when snowman makes it to the gas station they take charlotte the elephant out to check on her suddenly an ambulance pulls up and an emt gets out rushing for the outhouse snowman moves to drag a second paramedic out of the ambulance to check on their elephant but the man that they find is an italian gynecologist eating a sandwich and drinking wine over the body of a man with what is swamp, fever? S- swamp fever swamp <laughs> <laughs> fever the doctor claims that it's not contagious at the same time admitting he knows absolutely nothing about swamp fever uh,
2: me either what is swamp fever
1: <laughs> i don't know dom de is obviously less than excited to give this elephant a checkup but while he's telling them what he understands is wrong the other emt gets back in the ambulance and drives away leaving him there he says give her 800 aspirin and call me in the morning that that seems too much even for an elephant maybe i don't know they load the italian doctor played by dom Deloise into the back of this truck with the elephant and he's giving her a checkup as they continue driving but there's like no light in the truck so it's just yeah. a pitch black truck where you're giving an elephant a physical
2: okay upon a very quick google search swamp fever is a disease of horses (laughs) and does not affect humans (laughs) so that makes that joke funnier that makes
1: sense that it's not (laughs) contagious it's impressive that this one guy caught it swerving around an alligator in the road the ambulance accidentally dumps the patient out onto the highway buford and son approach and swerve around the same alligator too close for my taste looks like they almost hit this alligator in the road but uh, the justice family rolls up alongside the man in the gurney rolling down the highway who can barely speak and he's just mumbling swamp fever to them before they just leave. They're like, oh, this must be some like new fancy foreign car that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's a gurney from an ambulance. Hudson Hawk did it better. Yes. They stop at a raised bridge and Snowman gets out to stretch his legs when he notices Smokey a couple cars back. Uh, he also notices that directly behind him is Joe Klecko, a giant trucker, and they're friends with him. Bandit pulls out of the line to clear the bridge while it's still up, and Smokey notices him and starts shouting at him. When Klecko backs into Smokey's cruiser, and then when Smokey tries to pick a fight with him, this, you know, seven foot tall dude gets out of the back. This is another NFL player playing a trucker, but he's for a different team. He played for the Jets. He leans into Smokey's cruiser and says, Badge is crooked, sir. And he crushes Smokey's badge in his hand while the heart rate monitor is beeping away. Smoky decides to try and clear the bridge, also, and promptly gets stuck at the top because he's going like ten miles an hour. Yeah,
0: but also, how did Snowman get over the bridge? Yeah, I was
2: wondering this.
1: Did Snowman go over? Well, no, like, but I they're... think Snowman just waited for the bridge to go down. Oh, yeah. Okay, so okay, like I, I was like, once
2: again, the cop doesn't care at all about about what they're the truck. Doing. <laughs> yeah, he's only
1: trying to arrest Burt Reynolds, and the only reason that he's there is to get arrested.
2: So I feel like the truck would successfully get to where it's going if Burt Reynolds just left. then there would be Mm -hmm. no problems well that even happens in the third act
1: (laughs) yeah he's like well just deliver the package i guess (laughs) Smokey decides to clear the bridge also and promptly gets stuck at the top he tells junior to get out and junior stupidly just falls out of the side of the car into the water and then the men operating the bridge flip a coin to decide what to do and settle on opening the bridge further to drop the entire (laughs) police cruiser into the river crushing the son of buford t justice
2: well i'm not exactly sure what would have happened if they decided to close it because i feel like it also would have like crushed the car that's why i feel like (laughs) they wouldn't
1: have done anything until there was a crane here to lift the car yeah
2: yeah, but dropping a car on top of the guy that just fell in the water.
0: Probably not safe. <laughs> no. Also, it doesn't matter because he's immediately driving his police cruiser the next time we see him. Yes. So,
1: it's not waterlogged or anything. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like many- there's no jokes about like fish throwing yeah. fish out of the car or just something like that. wrapped around it. Yeah, there's
2: multiple times where he gets his car back with no explanation in totally perfect order.
1: Yeah, very weird. In the back of the truck, we see Dom is splitting a bottle of wine with the elephant, which we learn later might be a bad idea. The Justices pull over so that Junior can pee. Again, their car is pristine, and they're 10 miles yeah. down the road. See, in, in the first movie,
0: his car just constantly is being damaged, and it stays consistently damaged. Yeah. It's getting worse and worse and worse. The worse and, worse and worse, yeah.
1: But here they pull over so Junior can pee, but he gets his zipper stuck and requires his father's assistance unsticking it for some reason. So... Smokey is like leaning over, holding the zipper on his son's pants, like yanking it up and down while he then he notices a crowd of people are watching them. And then he just says, Get back in the car. We have to leave now. Don't you ever embarrass me like that again. That night, Bandit meets with Carrie to gift her one of the albums that they printed of his music. <laughs> Apparently, there's only 75 copies. Yeah. So she should be flattered. He says, I have 74 of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she jokes that Frank Sinatra was singing My Way. And you sing Let's Do Something Cheap and Superficial, which is an actual track name from the soundtrack to this film, with Burt Reynolds providing the vocals, obviously. Let's
2: do something cheap and superficial.
1: Uh, the doctor shares the great news the elephant is pregnant.
2: Baby, baby. Did he say baby? Yeah, he just said baby. Why'd you say baby? Because the La Senora Charlotte is pregnant going to have a little baby elephant no you're going to have a big baby elephant all right who
1: did it bandit wants to get going but the doctor recommends keeping the elephant in place for the next 24 hours or at least 12. hoping to buy the elephant time carrie suggests that she and bandit could rekindle their romance tonight so that he won't put them back on the road so she's like pretending to care about him yeah so that offer sex yeah so just to help this elephant in its labor um it's not even in labor and it's in its pregnancy Charlotte wraps her trunk around Bandit, clearly jealous of Carrie's affections. Snowman says, I think she's in love with you, and adds needlessly in front of Bandit's ex-girlfriend.
2: Of course, a fat ones always did go for Bo.
1: <laughs> it's like, what? I'm right here. <laughs> Why would you say that? Uh, Charlotte sleeps on the ground between... Oh, sorry, I put Bo again, but it's confusing to call him Bo because nobody calls him Bo.
0: Well, yeah. I didn't realize his name was Bo. Yeah, the, Bandit's the, name is Bo. He, the, they establish a lot of weird c- things from in this movie like carrie being called carrie and not frog yeah uh that the car's name is trigger which was no like, tr-
1: that was just a joke about like trigger is the name of the horse right from, but they
0: keep referring to it as trigger right
1: and they call this this vehicle the son of trigger
0: yeah and uh and yeah and then and them calling him bow instead of bandit uh which is it's just there's like a lot of weird little things yeah
1: um so charlotte sleeps on the ground between Bo and carrie uh that night interrupting every attempt Bo makes to sneak to Carrie's side of the ground. Uh, The next day, on the road, Buford catches up with them and a quick chase leads them to a closed fairgrounds where an enormous wooden roller coaster is wrapped in fencing. Smokey and the bandit chase each other between the wooden beams, occasionally clipping them and... uh, they knock out all the supports under this roller coaster until the whole thing collapses
2: well i like when you when you first got there and you're they started driving in there and you're like this is really uncomfortable it, they must have been ready to demolish this thing or i can't believe they let them drive there and, yeah. then, mm-hmm. and then we see them blow up the entire thing and yes like, yep and they
1: had like aerial footage and everything you're like oh this was an important this was shoot well day. planned yeah. <laughs> yeah and that was exactly the case that uh they were actually that fairgrounds was in trouble for how unsafe the conditions of that ride were and so it was being demolished to be replaced so they were there on that day so they could do it with the cars this is the last straw for Smokey, who decides it's time to call in his brothers reggie and gaylord bandit stops at a gas station where an attendant out of nowhere tells him that he's one of the top five assholes of all time based purely on his reputation bandit cannot deal with everyone not loving him and freaks out on the kid before carrie intervenes
2: i don't really understand they never really explain this like explain what why the kid doesn't like him? why this kid doesn't like him
1: i think he just he doesn't like his ego he thinks he's full of himself there's there's always going to be one guy out there that just doesn't like the guy
0: but i feel like this movie is setting a precedent that would have been further explored in a third movie of the bandit is long forgotten yeah and like this is only the second bandit movie like to to establish that that people are already tired of him or in his antics and yeah. forgetting about him is like well I, I mean i guess he had a reputation in the first one yeah that, that he
1: was already well known but the weird thing is that this is the only hint we get of it in the whole movie
0: well well that and like his like constant like needing of reassurance
1: right but the only evidence we have that anyone doesn't like him is this one kid yeah. calling him an asshole
0: and then and that no one bought his record <laughs> right that too <laughs> which, well, which could
1: have just been oh awful boy,
0: which
2: and i guess maybe the fact that we start him out as being in a drunken stupor that seems like he's trying to mask his unhappiness that yeah he, he isn't really doing that well
1: well i thought he was just sad about her leaving was like the entire impetus for his
2: so it's not his his career
1: yeah although they they do try at the end of this to make it about his reputation but yeah so he gets really mad at this kid for not loving him because this is the first hint in the entire franchise that anyone on the planet other than Smokey doesn't like him Mm -hmm. and uh but carrie gets in the way and says all right we're we're ready to go and they drive to the center of this overgrown football field where they open up the truck and they take charlotte out and give her a checkup on the grass the doctor insists they can't move the elephant anymore and bandit starts freaking out apparently it would be bad for her legs to be in the truck all day And so he's pissed off because he just wants to finish this run and collect their money. And then Carrie pulls him aside and says, it's not about the money. It's about your reputation, isn't it? Like she realizes that he could care less about any of this money. He just wants to be known as the guy who gets things done on schedule. A random neighborhood kid shows up, Anthony T. Towns, and they offer him to watch the elephant while they go out drinking tonight they start to threaten the kid if anything happens and he finishes the threat
2: i know you're gonna feed me to him
1: <laughs> but if the elephant dies you can't feed this kid to it it doesn't make sense well <laughs> you can just stuff the stuff the kid into the corpse it's gonna of the be a, like
2: a hook moment yeah <laughs> just have the elephant fall on him well
0: and i love that he he fully introduces himself as anthony t downs yeah and the actor is anthony t downs the kid <laughs> That's weird. but he's credited as young black boy
1: Perfect. And I
0: was like, but you gave you him gave a name. He has a name. He has a name.
1: Are you sure that's the same kid?
0: Yeah, well, uh, the, character is, the, ca- the character of Young Black Boy is played, is by, played by Anthony T. That Downs. That could be a,
1: a coincidence. <laughs> Maybe they named one character after the other actor. <laughs> Probably not, though.
0: <laughs> that actor, oddly enough, was named Young Black Boy. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was Korean. <laughs> what? They head to a Don Williams concert and he notices them in the audience and invites the crowd to applaud the bandit and they all do everybody here likes him uh he sings a song dedicated to the bandit and carries love for each other
2: which he walks out on yeah kind of bothers me i'm like this dude is singing a song for you don't be so rude
1: isn't the whole joke about smugglers is that they're not supposed to be famous isn't there like a game of thrones line yeah where somebody says something like aren't you the famous smuggler and he's like well, if I'm famous, then I'm probably not a very good smuggler or something yeah, that's like that. Sir, yeah. Sir Davos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a famous smuggler, you're not doing it right. So it seems weird that you would celebrate having a fan base as a person who's who's you're famous for being a distraction. Eventually, yeah. the police would catch on to the fact that that's what you're doing. Carrie notices him scribbling something on a napkin, and he tells her that it's a poem about her. <laughs> and when she finally sees the finished product, it's a diagram on how to transport an elephant without using her legs. <laughs> it's like a big cargo net that would go underneath her belly to hold her up carrie gets very upset about this and tells the bandit that he's too obsessed with fame and that she can't be around him anymore and she gives him this whole breakup speech that was actually written by her and was relevant to their exact relationship at the time that she thought he was too obsessed with fame and he encouraged her to include as much of her own personal thoughts about their relationship to to help the performance but she means what she says here in this scene and then she walks off into the night and bandit gets drunk with the elephant in the truck and the next day they're finishing off the last leg of this transport suddenly buford t justice hears his effeminate brother gaylord speaking and wonders aloud where their third brother is reginald the royal canadian mountie i guess yeah he pulls up in his car and he's singing opera music with a woman Mm -hmm. like they're just playing opera music really loud in their car and they get out singing to it
2: so they've been at this road trip for a while now and they started in where did they start this Miami
1: project? is where they got the elephant
2: Miami where they got the elephant and where are they going
1: they're going to da- Dallas
2: Dallas okay they had
1: nine days to get from Florida to Dallas it does not take nine But
2: they days. started in Florida
1: right
0: well th- well they also had a training montage we don't know how long it- that took
1: yeah
2: okay I just it doesn't seem like they're making very much progress I agree in
1: case it needs to be said for some reason Jackie Gleason is playing all three of these characters <laughs> reginald gaylord and Smokey all pose for a photo together but stand far enough apart that the seams between multiple shots are invisible smoky sees bandit passing all three cars and moves to pursue him testing bandits ability to walk away from a challenge buford suggests he take a side road and bandit goes for it on the road he is speaking on the cb with smoky who tells him to look to his left and right and notices huge lines of cop cars that surround him in every direction at the top of these hills and they're just yeah these dunes and they're ready to just drop down into the canyon behind him it's about 40 police cars 20 on each side a la blues brothers
2: right but it doesn't make any sense what they do because they wait for him to pass and And then then they 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 pull out after him all 40 Mm. of them yeah you know after him you guys were there first if some of you got in front it wouldn't be a chase you could have just stopped him
1: (laughs) but here he's radioing to snowman and saying I think we're in trouble. I think I might not get out of this. So just go ahead and make the delivery without me, basically. I got wall-to-wall county mounties and mounty mounties. Snowman agrees not to intervene, but he refuses to leave Bandit behind and says that he's just going to make a loop. He's going to, you know, stick around in this area until Bandit gets out of it.
2: That's what we get our our used car. Reprise here yes. of uh, hundreds of cars driving across the desert, yep. chasing each other.
1: Um, he's he's leading all these cars through just flat desert land, and then he notices through a mirage that Snowman's truck is headed straight for them. And he suddenly notices that there was actually one long line of trucks, uh, and they start to spread out, and now they have a wall of eighteen wheelers coming straight on at all the police cars to block the desert path so that bandit can sneak between some of them presumably Mm -hmm. but instead (laughs) yes Uh, it becomes a very dusty boring version of the airport fight from captain america 3 with a bunch of cars and a bunch of trucks facing off and then all the cars just flip u-turns and try to drive away but still the truck drivers are just straight murdering police yeah oh my god they're just slamming into the cars flipping them over a tow truck throws a hook and tears the back half of a patrol car off a dump truck lifts one up and flips it upside down into his dumpster two 18 wheelers just sandwich a car between them yeah and the driver we see him escape because you have to show this guy escape because otherwise that's the for sure murder and then a big trailer dumps a huge metal tube and a patrol car drives right into it and it slices off huge portions of the car here we notice that the doctor is just sitting out in the middle of the desert unprotected with this elephant Mm -hmm. (laughs) while this whole Uh, mad max scene plays out
2: which is good that the elephant's not in there but i don't know that sitting in the middle of this desert with a you know monster truck rally going on is the best place
1: yeah the trucks form a small path to a ramp and start loading police cars up onto a trailer truck the 18 wheelers start circling the wagons around a huge pile of destroyed police cars apparently all three jackie gleasons are undamaged and they're still able to drive and they follow bandit out of this mess but snowman and bandit drive across the roofs of a bunch of 18 wheelers that are filling this canyon
0: yeah which which must have been perfectly sheer on both sides otherwise there'd still be a large gap between yeah. the first and the last truck
1: yeah but it works out great for them and then just one truck pulls out so that when smokey tries to follow he falls into the gap and then we cut to i guess later that day and smokey is driving the car that fell into this gap but it's folded into like an a-frame mm-hmm. but somehow still drives and they're sitting at the peak of this folded car with the top ripped off uh smoky asks his son for a handkerchief so he can wipe a spot off the dash and suddenly a tractor comes out of the weeds and he veers off the road dumping his son into a swamp Wait, was this planned this tractor it's just a coincidence uh, Tractor. i think it's
0: just a coincidence tractor
1: uh bandit hears <laughs> over the radio that charlotte is in labor and agrees to stop Luckily, they're right at Lion County Safari, and there will be someone to feed this elephant to when it shows up dead. (laughs)
0: Jesus.
1: (laughs) That's not not what happened. It got dark. Uh, They bribed the employees of the wildlife reserve to let the elephant have its baby here.
0: I thought that they were going to agree to have it stay here.
1: Yeah, that would make a lot more sense than what happens. like, I'm not going to pay you to let my elephant drop a baby in your grass. Yeah. I dare you to stop that from happening. (laughs) Yeah.
0: they drank it oh well Well, that
1: worked (laughs) the baby could still come out (laughs) the doctor wakes up snowman and bandit when the elephant is born and it looks way bigger than a newborn baby elephant to me but i'm not a zoologist anymore (laughs) those days are behind me
0: (laughs) not since the licensing board got a hold of you.
1: that was a sad day again bandit encourages them to rush back onto the road snowman is more and more frustrated with this approach and punches bandit into the elephant's side and then to the ground he just like bounces off of charlotte's ribs and then collapses yeah uh, once bandit stands up looking especially angry he resembles as closely as he does in anything norm mcdonald's portrayal of burt Reynolds from <laughs> saturday night live <laughs> um, he might even be dressed as the character from this movie when he makes his jeopardy appearances bandit asks what's wrong with the doctor and snowman
2: what is the matter with you two idiots you act like she's
1: human <laughs> and the elephant starts crying yeah and bandit sees the teardrop from its eye and then apologizes to it <laughs> this is such a corny scene <laughs> uh, but it's great
0: and and it would have had an impact had he not had an affection for the elephant throughout most of it yeah
1: all of a sudden he's like whatever chop its head off yeah we'll move it in multiple cars bandit leaves to find carrie at the bus stop and he tells her you know we're going to keep the elephant everything's great we're we're not going to dallas and we should we should give ourselves another shot they put the elephants in decorative trailers and drive away like they're keeping them i guess (laughs) we never get the joke that big enos and little enos match up with the big elephant and the little elephant that i was waiting for this entire time i really wanted them to be riding both elephants by the right
0: we don't get any conclusion to that plot line
1: no and suddenly we hear Smokey's voice and it turns out he's stolen or commandeered a Greyhound bus to chase Bandit with and we freeze frame on his angry face gripping the wheel over the credits. Um, we we start to see the scroll starts over black and then on the left side of the screen we're getting the bloopers. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that they played bloopers during the credits of a movie.
0: Is this is this our first time for that this year?
1: No, this is the first time. What? They, didn't, they didn't play bloopers during... The credits of movies before this how Needham invented this really yeah huh so this is this is the first time good bloopers no they weren't great uh (laughs) but what what uh always makes me laugh is that uh as a reference to the fact that this is the first time they put bloopers in the credits they they used these bloopers over the anchorman credits so (laughs) the first the the first blooper you see over the anchorman credits is a burt reynolds going i guess we'll go back to doing what i do bet i guess
2: we'll go back to doing what i do best show off
1: when we get started when do we get started that's my line when do we get started that's my line you say whenever whenever you like whenever you like (laughs) he's just like doesn't understand what's going on but i I would have loved to have been in the room when they're like having the conversation like oh what if we did bloopers over the credits like like Smokey and the bandit too and he's like well yeah but we don't have the rights to those bloopers and he's like that's not what i meant And he's like oh what if we could get them though (laughs) let's do that So it must have been so funny for them when they finally got it locked down. Like, yeah, you can use those bloopers. It's like, great. so confusing. Uh, But that's the end of the film. Our director, Hal Needham, uh, he did the first couple Smokey and the Bandits and Cannonballs uh, 1 and 2. I think he did both of them. Uh, He also did Hooper, the villain, Megaforce, Stroker Ace. He was an actor also and a stuntman in a lot of stuff. Writer Jerry Belson, uh, he wrote the 77 version of fun with dick and jane he wrote the end he wrote steven spielberg's always he was an uncredited screenwriter on close encounters of the third kind he was a longtime writing partner of gary marshall he wrote on the tracy allman show the odd couple and his wife also does a lot of extra characters on the simpsons and uh, she also played one of the singers from the 40s in xanadu very recently for us Uh, writer brock yates also wrote both of the cannonball run movies the story author here, Michael Caine, uh, he has uncredited dialogue for Jaws 3D, but he did <laughs> not appear in Jaws 4. Uh, he also wrote Hot Stuff, Southern Comfort, All the Right Moves, and MacGyver episode Bitter Harvest.
0: That's right. Which is <laughs> like the really, that's a really disturbing one where it gets sprayed with pesticide, yes. right?
1: Yep. It's pretty pretty crazy. It has the director of Vanishing Point, uh, is is like the guy who owns the farm. All right, right, right. his right, son right. is like using this chemical against his orders. The characters were uh, from obviously from Robert L. Levy and uh, Hal Needham from the first film, but uh, Robert L. Levy was a producer of the first film. He also produced Point Break, A Kid in King Arthur's Court, a lot of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen videos, and then uh, later on he did She's All That, Pay It Forward, Wedding Crashers. So he had big big budget comedies in the '90s and '00s. Because Pay It Forward is hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> never stop laughing. Burt Reynolds was Bandit uh he was quint on Gunsmoke for a long time he's in deliverance he's in the white lightning gator movies he's smoky bandit cannibal run sharky's machine stroker ace best little whorehouse in texas and all dogs go to heaven of course yes of course and as much as i like that film my favorite performance from him is still from boogie nights um he's phenomenal in that movie Mm -hmm. uh he has a cameo in smoky three but he does not play the bandit in that film as we mentioned earlier And he appeared as himself in Archer episode, The Man from Jupiter, (laughs) in which he begins dating Archer's mother, (laughs) which is great because they had already at that point had Archer episodes based on White Lightning and Gator.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And Archer pitches him a Gator sequel. He's like, it could be a sequel to Gator. He's like, well, Gator was already
1: a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jackie Gleason was Buford T. Justice and Gaylord Justice and Reginald Van Justice. Uh, He was Minnesota Fats in The Hustler. He was in The Sting 2. He was Ralph Cramden on The Honeymooners. Jerry Reed was Cletus. I don't know why he's just credited as Cletus. He's more Snowman. well known as the Snowman. You see,
0: again, this is what this movie does. It, it yeah. tries to establish like new lore about these characters.
1: Yeah, uh, but he is a popular country and western singer. Uh, he played Bama McCall in Gator. He played Doug Van Horn in The Stuff, and he played Red Baloo in Waterboy. That's the coach of the opposing team, the one who. He envisions babies replacing the faces <laughs> of the coach. <laughs> Dom DeLuise plays the doctor here. This is his fourth movie for the year after Fatso, Last Married Couple, and Holy Moses. He was paired with Bert in both Cannonball movies, The Best Little Whorehouse, The End, Silent Movie, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. With so they to did Sarah a lot of stuff Reynolds, together, yeah. yeah. Um, Sally Field was Carrie. She was Gidget on the Gidget TV series. In addition to her Burt Reynolds films, she was also Norma Rae. In Norma Ray, she was in Places of the Heart, and both of those films earned her Oscars for lead actress. She was in Steel Magnolias, Mrs. Doubtfire, Forrest Gump, she was Mary Todd Lincoln for Spielberg, and Aunt May in The Amazing Spider Man 2. Paul Williams was Little Enos. He's a prolific songwriter for Three Dog Night, Helen Reddy, David Bowie, The Carpenters. Uh, he wrote The Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie. He
0: wrote yeah. a lot of Muppet songs.
1: He did. I think he did all the- He appears in the first Muppet movie too, yeah. right?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, um,
1: he, I think he did all the songs for Muppet Christmas Carol and- That's possible. His song Evergreen for Streisand's A Star Is Born won the Grammy for Song of the Year and an Oscar for Best Original Song. He's currently the president and chairman of the American Songwriting Society ASCAP and- uh, I was he, Did he write Flying Dreams for Secret of Nim? Sure. Why not? Let's say he did. Yes, he did. we Um,
2: we got to meet him at the new beverly that's right it was a triple feature of paul
1: williams movies
2: it was wait wait let me try to remember
1: (laughs) (laughs) three movies he wrote all the music for
2: phantom of paradise yep uh he also plays a character in that movie bugsy malone yep and ishtar yep yeah (laughs) it was it was
1: bugsy phantom ishtar uh it was hosted by edgar Wright at the new beverly well because
0: he was a baby driver
1: right and and uh this was before baby driver but uh paul williams was there for the screening and for the entirety of ishtar paul williams and quentin tarantino were sitting in the back row singing along to every song in the movie (laughs) which was just magical to listen to
2: there was just an article uh in ab club about ishtar being an underrated movie oh
1: it for sure is i think the joke that the director elaine may made about it was that if everyone who wrote a bad review for that movie had seen it it would have made a lot more money right <laughs> but we got a picture with him that night so we'll throw that on the instagram for this one uh, pat mccormick was big Enos. he plays tiny and under the rainbow next year he'll be back for Smokey three uh, and he's also the ghost of christmas present in scrooged
0: uh in, in the in the uh in the tv play, TV play yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: david huddleston was john conn that's the other guy that's running for governor.
0: And not Charles Durning. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, he plays the Big Lebowski. He was Walrus Wallman in Gorp earlier this year. And he was Olson Johnson in Blazing Saddles.
0: I, I feel an underused character.
1: Yeah. Because he, he's, he
0: has two scenes.
1: There's a, there's a few people like that where it's like, come on, you could have used this person for more. Uh, Mike Henry was junior. He played Tarzan in three films in the 60s. And he plays uh, Kolozik in Soylent Green. Uh, John Anderson, yeah. the governor, very excited <laughs> to see John Anderson here. Uh, he plays California Charlie in Psycho, and more importantly to me and Richard, he was MacGyver's grandfather Harry Jackson on the original MacGyver series, um, and he's wonderful. It's funny to see him cursing, and, and I think he even like makes a fart sound in one of the bloopers. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's wonderful. <laughs> I've never heard him joke around like that. Brenda Lee was nice lady. <laughs> she's credited as nice lady, but she's the lady who sings rock and the christmas tree, tree
0: at the christmas party
1: you know where uh, michael jordan is sliding through the living room
0: yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> always what
1: i think uh terry bradshaw was self i don't remember which character self was uh he's back as self in cannonball run which was shot concurrently he's also sherman and hooper he plays colonel march and a couple briscoe county juniors he was in a blossom he was in a couple married with children's good stuff he's a funny guy i've always liked him joe green was self uh he has an uncredited cameo in ace ventura but i don't remember joe green being in that so i'd have to watch it again i tried to find it and i couldn't find any clips of that but he's probably best known for that coca-cola commercial where he tosses a kid his jersey in exchange for a coke or the family guy bit making fun of it where (laughs) peter offers him a coke and then he throws him his jersey and then his pants and then his jock strap and then peter just drops everything and runs away uh joe klecko played self uh, he was an NFL uh, defensive lineman for the Jets. Uh, he also appears in Cannibal Run as a Polish racing driver and in the movie Heat as Kinlaw. Jeffrey Brian King was another football player. He plays Dill Harris in To Kill a Mockingbird and Arthur Rose in the Cannibal Run. Jerry Lester was the warehouse guard. This was his last film and there was not much i recognized probably because he was very old in 1980 but he was super funny <laughs> i yeah. would have liked to see more of this guy yeah
0: he he had a very like mickey rooney i, I was quality. just gonna say
1: very mickey rooney but he's, he's older than mickey rooney would have been here but yeah very mm-hmm. much like that um and then this one threw me off <laughs> you probably noticed this too yeah, yeah. a character credited as party guest presumably at the beginning who gets splashed with the orange stuff right right chuck yeager The first man to break the sound barrier is, for some reason, a party guest in that first scene.
2: Are you sure it's the same?
1: Yes, his IMDb page makes it very clear. He's only in two movies. The other one, he plays a character, Fred, in The Right Stuff, in which he is also played by Sam Shepard in that movie. So, it's very weird to suddenly have him be in this.
0: But it makes sense that he's in that movie. Yes. But it doesn't make sense. 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 Maybe he's Uh, just a fan?
1: Or they had to use those planes and maybe like him? someone at the base was like oh well you know hey chuck we're shooting a movie and we're using these planes if you want to come out and see them shoot the movie and you can be in it or whatever was
2: he involved in cannonball run at all no okay because that seems like those are literally his only of... two feature credits are oh. this and the
1: right stuff um and this one's barely a credit because he's probably just extra um and then the last credit i wanted to mention here was a preacher character named james the the actor's name who played the preacher that answers the phone is james l buchanan the just this this is his only credit on imdb and i when i first read it i thought presumably related to the former president which confused me because i think buchanan is very often referred to as the first gay president if not openly uh it turns out buchanan adopted his niece harriet lane the youngest surviving child of his sister jane after the untimely deaths of her parents and she went on to serve as the first lady one of 11 women to serve as first lady without being married to the president this huh. was his niece was his first lady or, but she was also his adopted daughter
2: I did not know that that was a thing that you could have a first lady if you didn't have a wife
1: Apparently apparently you can uh, she did have a son named James though neither of her sons lived to their 15th birthday so the line likely ends there this man is probably not related to the president.
2: Why did we go through all this?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> is James L. Buchanan the second he's clearly he clearly wants you to think he's related to the president and maybe he is some other indirect way. Like the way people say, "Oh, I'm related to Lincoln." It's like, no, I was, you know, one of my. Yeah, yeah we're all related cousins. to Genghis Khan. Yeah, I you get go it. far enough back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are all the credits I had for this one. Um, this movie's not great. There's not <laughs> there's not a lot powering it, and it, honestly, Jackie Gleason is the funniest part of this movie, and that's a problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, other than maybe that one line, they really toned down his racism because yeah. in the first movie you're not supposed to like him. He's supposed to be a jerk who's mean and and very very racist. But in this movie, like he just appears for no reason. Yeah, uh, he, like there's no reason for him to be pursuing the bandit in this case. In the first movie, he's pursuing them because they have the, his, his his future daughter-in-law yeah. hostage. He thinks. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, this whole plot is doubled because frog jumps into the car. From the wedding and so he he there she's being pursued but then also they need to watch out for the police because of the stuff that they're carrying in the truck right in this movie there's no reason other than just why was he why would he agree to even allow this marriage to to happen in the first place well he clearly place. didn't because yeah.
1: he's outside the church saying i can't believe you're trying to marry this woman again i told you this was a dumb idea but also he doesn't need to be in this movie once He's in this movie as three characters, mm-hmm. and the other two characters serve little to no purpose. Yeah. They literally have, like, one line each, and that's it. That's the end of those characters. And uh, as much as I appreciate that Gaylord actually seemed like a completely different actor, like, obviously they look the same, but mm-hmm. he's he's doing a different character for that part. I feel like Reggie is pretty much just the same as yeah. Smokey. But Gaylord actually felt like a different person, and I, was, I appreciated that he was able to pull off a second character, but neither of them served a purpose in the movie other than he was like i want to show off my range a little bit and that was it but yeah this the the premise doesn't make any sense obviously there's there's no there's no gravity to the situation because they don't need the money they Mm -hmm. don't care about the money and at the end they don't get the money yeah so all that happens is they pick up an elephant at the beginning and they keep it they stole an elephant and they kept it Mm -hmm. they're still transporting a stolen elephant at the end of the film
2: I know you were disappointed that you didn't know about this movie when you made your elephant transportation movies list. Yeah. But I think it'd be at the bottom. Probably. Of all of the elephant transportation movies.
1: I don't know. Have you seen Larger Than Life?
2: <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it. I don't remember if I've seen it either.
1: <laughs> so no offense to that movie. I don't know. Maybe it's great. But it's no Operation Dumbo Drop, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not much to say about this one. Uh, up or down, Jess? It's a down. Yeah.
2: It doesn't have much going for
0: it. Yeah, it's a down for me. Uh, although I probably have it up higher on my list than mo- either of you guys, but uh, I I just I I really like the first one. I, I I I try to show it to people and and they don't like it. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I grew up with it a little bit with my with my dad. And, that happens. Uh, and and I and I can kind of see it last time i watched it i was like man this movie is actually pretty long uh it, or at yes, least it felt long uh i and, think
1: my dad literally drank coors when i was a kid because it was in smoky and the bandit mm-hmm. like he was like oh that's kind of cool I'm, I'm just gonna buy this stuff and then he liked it and he's like i'm just gonna keep buying this stuff
0: i think like when people think about burt reynolds i think one of the first movies that'll come to people's minds sure. is smoky and the bandit yeah uh certainly won't be Smokey and the bandit too
1: no uh but i think it's amazing to me that you got dom and bert in this and that they don't they don't get to do anything with each other mm-hmm. like it's such a waste because we'll see next year in cannibal run they are so funny together it's like ridiculous how much chemistry the two of them have and they do nothing with it in this movie but i remember as a kid loving cannibal run mm-hmm. and i think i cannibal run 2 is probably on par with smoky 2 as far as sequels ruining it but at least like you don't have to come up with a whole new premise it's like no it's just another race but, yeah, um, I'm excited for Cannibal Run next year, but this was this was a waste. I, I feel like it might have been funnier if Dom wasn't having to do this character the whole time. Yeah. If they would just let him be Dom DeLuise.
0: I, I almost feel like Dom chose it. Yeah. So like, what if I'm what if I'm like an Italian doctor and I'm always – What if always... I'm an Italian
1: stereotype for the second time this year?
0: Yeah, and I'm always drinking wine. Like, yeah. I always have a, a wine glass.
1: Yeah. It's a choice. Um, but, yeah, I think that's three downs for us then. For this yeah. one. Um, and then where is this going on your list, Richard? Uh,
0: um, I actually have this just below Rhodey, uh and just above Small Circle of Friends, which puts it at 58th. Uh,
1: okay. Jess?
2: That's a little bit higher than what I did. My, I mean, actually, mine's fairly close to Roadie too, but um, mine's, I think, in 69th place. And it is just above Holy Moses and just below – what the heck movie is this? The Hunter. okay. Yeah.
1: Still figuring out where it goes for me.
2: I mean, it's... So, for me, it's below the Windows threshold. It's certainly yeah, same, is, same is for below me. that. Um, but it, it, it's a very middle-of-the-road movie. Um, yeah. You know, and it's actually not too terribly far away on my list from Rough Cut.
0: Yeah, sa- uh, same here for that. I mean, it did have some impressive, like, stunt driving and some car wrecks and and you can see where the money went uh but i don't know i i I don't i really just it's so mediocre i just don't have anything to say about it
1: yeah um i think for me also not super far from rough cut uh this is going to go uh just under the hunter and just above small circle of friends which is only three slots up from rough cut so burt reynolds he outdid himself barely with this movie um and actually i think cannibal run is like gonna be as high as he gets for me until until uh all dogs go to heaven comes out
2: i actually liked rough cut better than this though mine's rough cuts above that for me yeah um at least that one i thought was engaging in so much as it was sort of an intriguing story uh, but neither
1: one of them makes sense at the end
2: no not really but at least Throughout the movie, before I knew that it didn't make sense, I was like, Hmm, what's You're happening? Here? On the way.
1: <laughs> You're like, Oh, I didn't see that coming because it doesn't follow logically from what happened, but you got me. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> I think that's about everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show, and if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash Vintage Video Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing those lips those eyes which imdb describes like so cleveland 1951 pre-med student Artie shoemaker dreams not so much of a medical career but a life in the theater against the wishes of working class parents we leave you now with the trailer for those lips those eyes this is 1951 this is your first summer in stock you know that there's no season like the first season. You're gonna remember it all your life.
2: Frank Langella is Harry Crystal. Look at him. He has strength, and authority, and control. He can do anything. He has talent. He has command. He has confidence. Gentleman. He has a future.
1: The key.
2: He has an agent. Who's Mickey Ballinger? He's the big guy and legit at MCA. As
0: soon as I sign with him, it's Goodbye Graveyard. Hello, Schubert Alley.
2: Frank Langella. Glynis O'Connor. And Animal House's Thomas Hulse. Those Lips, Those Eyes. When I'm calling
1: you.